I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And we coming from a basement to your headphones. Barely even know who we are, but changing the unknown. In a wild time. Thank you for downloading the podcast, Theanos. Now, here are your hosts, Jordan Hall and Eric Wayne. Welcome into another episode of the podcast, Theanos. I am Jordan Hall. I'm joined, as always, by Eric Wayne. Eric, how's your President's Day going? Oh, I've gotten, you know, so many President's Day presents. You know, I've circled around the 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 Mount Rushmore statuette and uh, sang President's Day carols. It's been now now amazing. Mount Rushmore is a statuette. Would that mean that it's a small statue? Because one might say it's a very large statue. Well, you know, I have a, a a replication of it in my house for President's Day. Don't you decorate for President's Day? No, you don't. You don't put on your powdered wig <laughs> and your stovepipe hat. Now, do you have a specific Mount Rushmore like that you chose, or is it the same four that's out in wherever it's at? Uh, it's in South Dakota, I'm pretty sure. In uh, of course, you got to have the you know the honest to goodness. You know, like people go and you know they have little miniature Eiffel towers. You know, everybody needs a little miniature Mount Rushmore, right? I suppose they do. Um, and we're very happy and lucky to be joined this week by good friend of the show. And minor league expert extraordinaire, Emily Walden, thanks so much for letting us into your busy schedule. Yes, it's a pleasure to be here. It's been That's it's kind been... to say, even if you don't believe it. Thank you, Emily. <laughs> since, thanks for being here and humoring us. Since the last time we recorded, one of the most exciting days on the Tigers baseball calendar has come and gone. Twice, kind of. Um, and that, of course, is picture day. First, there was like the odd background where it kind of looked like a chop shop, maybe like a abandoned mechanics garage. And then yesterday, the boys got all dressed up in their home whites and smiled big for the official one. Um, Emily, do you prefer your picture day like sterile and boring or with fire shooting off in the background? Well, I have to be completely honest. My first thought when I saw the the chop shop setting, if you will, was should the Tigers really have a dumpster fire in the background of their pictures to start 2017? But I tried to take a positive spin on it. Um, it's nice to have a little edge on your photos for sure, but I have to say out of the two, I think I was more of a fan of the uh, the classic white English D. Eric? You know, it's so gritty. Why do we, 
Why are we gonna be so tough? Detroit. Are we fragile in our if we're fragile in our masculinity? I think it should be like Deb from Napoleon Dynamite, you know? <laughs> we just put put some frills on roughly. Like you're on a cloud. You know, put your <laughs> put your chin on your fist and kind of tilt your head. That that looks nice. My my first thought was, you know, there's one pyre on the team that was like a little too helpful with the special effects guys. That's just trying trying to get in on that. My guess, Alex Wilson. I would say so. I could definitely see Alex Wilson doing something like that. Likes to see things burn. Absolutely. <laughs> um, and that brings us this week's leadoff question. If you were in charge of Tiger's Picture Day, what would your uh, background slash scenery be? Uh, Emily, you're the guest. You can go first. Oh, gosh. Put the pressure on me right away. Um, honestly, I am a fan of the industrial look. Maybe not the dumpster fire, per se. I think that might be a bad omen of things to come. But definitely, not to sound cheesy, but going with the whole Detroit theme, having the little bit of the, the grit, you know, that Eric was talking about, little little pizzazz in that way. So I would say probably an industrial background. Okay. Eric? You know, why change the classics? You know, what I want is, you know, a purple background with fake lasers, you know. And uh, when I was like in second grade, there was like uh, like this fake woods with a with a fake wooden fence. You know, there's that one. Or, you know, you have color photography when you in second grade. Oh, laugh it up. Laugh it up. Did they have cameras when you were you in know, school? You know, the big they, they they ignited some powder and then it <laughs> blew up in a big puff. You know, like on some mortar board. You know they you know, and then they had uh, you know oh you have kind of a black background and then you got to superimpose the profile mm. over it. You know they were classic looks. That's that's classy. That's that's very nice too. Um, for my Back. choice, I would have either them riding the giant Comerica Park scoreboard tigers for the pictures or possibly on the Comerica Park merry-go-round. I think those would be my two choice of choices of settings. We have technology. Anything's possible. You know, Photoshop them on, you know, put them in front of a green screen and then have them, you know, running with the bulls, oh. you know, or whatever. You know, put something exciting. That that would be really fun. Um, okay, if you want to get in touch with the show, you can. Uh, you can reach us at podcastianos.com. On the Twitter, Emily is at EmilyWalden2080. We have no longer found Waldo. Is that what I'm understanding? Uh, Waldo was permanently misplaced, and they gave up the search and rescue. So we've moved on. Um, I am at Jordan Hall 23 Eric is at Comeric Eric, and the show is at Podcastianos. Um, and if you'd like to fo- follow my fire Instagram feed, you can. I am at Jordinho4. I'll spell it J-O-R-D-I-N-H-O-4. And Emily, I'm assuming you have um, – I follow you on, on Instagram. I'm, well, what is your handle? I want to say it's Emily Walden number one, oh, I believe, yeah. the number wow. one. Yeah. That's right, number one. <laughs> um, not not to be confused with you know the all first the poser one. the only ones. the only one <laughs> um let's see don't forget to like us on facebook get your 2007 on facebook.com backslash podcastianos and i say it every week but it's very important for us as a show if you enjoy the show and have not left us a review on whatever platform you listen to the show on um it would only take a second and it would help us out greatly uh we would love it for love you forever um, if you take the time to subscribe, rate, and review us. If you were all as passionate as Mr. Skronik, 
you know, that would be helpful. He, he's like the number one fan. Oh, power rankings of, of podcast. Yeah, we should do that. I think is it Jake. I think it's Jacob. Jake. Yeah. I, yeah. I call him Jake. I don't, I don't know when we, he's, when we he, chat. Yeah. So he's, he's the, <laughs> have you ever watched flight of the concords? No. Like what's I the what's, flight of the concords? Yeah, what's the, what's the one, the, the woman who is like the one fan that follows him around. I know who you're talking about, and I can't remember her name, yeah. but that is such a classic show. Love you, Jake. Hang in there with us, bud. I'm Blaine Hardy, and you're listening to the podcast, Yanos. There is nowhere else to start Tiger's Talk this week but to welcome home the return of a legend. Donnie, it's so good to have you back mm. in the fold. Can you start, like, a clap track for that? That would be so appropriate right now. I, clap tracks exist. I don't know that I personally have the ability to throw one in there. So if you're listening, <laughs> we haven't had, pretend that there's one in there right now. We haven't had good Foley since the last episode of Suspect was on. Were you guys sad when you found out that he was hanging up those versatile spikes? Oh, goodness. I think... It feels right. See, the thing with Don Kelly is nothing ever feels wrong with Don Kelly. He times everything out so perfectly, and and everything just sort of falls into alignment. And the fact that he probably got more response on Twitter than Justin Verlander throwing batting practice to Miguel Cabrera or whatever it was, that's how much he means to the city. I mean, he was the most frustrated player that was out there and everybody was like why is he playing why is he playing and then he walks away and comes back and the whole city just erupts in joy and happiness and he's back and i'm so happy i'm glad donnie's you know i'm let's be real him hanging them up isn't exactly you know a big loss to the skill set of major league baseball right he's he's had some he's been banged up and he wasn't exactly a world changer but he he embodies so much that is right and good with not only just baseball with but being a a decent person what does it say about society that Don Kelly is so remarkable for his basic, decent humanity. Everybody else should be ashamed that he stands out. You should be more like Donnie. Come on. Yeah, I agree. On, Definitely. It, while it's no big loss for Major League Baseball, it's such a big gain for old ladies who are looking to cross the street safely. Well, and honestly, you know, one of the perks of him hanging up his cleats is he probably donated them to someone. Oh. So everybody wins. It's very true. Um, so he left us two years ago, the same time Max left us. No postseason since. He's back. Um, mm. What do you think this does for our World Series odds at this point? It, it can't hurt them. It, it can't hurt them. <laughs> All right, let's get into some news and notes from Tigers Town. Um, one of the big stories doing the rounds was Brad Osmus's take on the Tigers' base running and defense, saying and this is in air quotes, we are who we are. The larger point was that the team is built a certain way. I agree with that. And you're not going to turn bad defenders into good defenders, fast guys, in uh, slow guys into fast guys in six weeks. He certainly has a point. Um, is this, I, I asked the question, is this defeatist or realist? Realism? Realist? You could go either way on that one, realism, realist. I would say the biggest thing for the Tigers this year is just going to have the main faces stay healthy. 
I think that's what killed them last year was they weren't able to stay consistent at the plate. And they started off the year saying they've got one of the most dangerous lineups in the league, but it was just this consistent up and down struggle of so-and-so got hurt again. So-and-so got hurt again. So I think he is aware of how much talent he has access to, but he's probably approaching it in a very cautious way of saying, I know what I could get out of this, but are we going to go about it the right way and actually get the production that we are capable of as a team? Yeah, I, I, there was a quote floating around on Twitter, like Osmus went to his analytics team. You know, there's new <laughs> new uh, emphasis on crunching the numbers. And they and he asked him, you know, how can we get better? How can we get better defense out of out of our players? And the analyst was like, get faster players. Uh, <laughs> we we are who we are. This is the exact right quote. Um you got to know the skill set of your players and this is complete realism and wisdom on the part of Brad Osmus. And you got to pick your spots with the guys who have some skills to move a base runner, steal a base, but um, you are not going to make Victor Martinez faster. I mean, you can't, I mean, you can't really make him any slower either. He's slow. Once you get to zero, it's hard to go down, but uh, we are not fast. And um, yeah, I mean, we can do probably some tweaks, coach them up in the outfield a little bit, choose a, choose one of our center field prospects that um, is going to be able to go get it. Maybe that means Matuk instead of somebody else, but um, it's about the players and not leveraging or not trying to get something out of the players that they don't have. The uh, you, you know the guys from the progressive commercials that are like obsessed with flow. Mm-hmm. The, that's what I imagine the analytics department of the Tigers being like. Those two guys. <laughs> um, so obviously, this quote is the exact opposite quote of last year when he said that these uh, those two are going to be uh, points of of focus in spring training. Um, I tweeted this out, but I think he's essentially trying to not give Tigers Twitter any ammo for that game in like mid-August when we lose after committing seven errors and having a couple guys thrown out at the plate. Like he learned that lesson from from last year. And people would bring it up all the time. All yeah. The time. And then sarcastically, oh, emphasis on base running as soon as we got picked off. I would you know, if I was Osmus, my emphasis for this spring training would be three run home runs. We're going to really emphasize that, and we're going to shoot for a lot of three-run home runs. That's what, that's what I'd do. And running around the bases slowly as to not pull any hammies. Hard to get hurt when you're not uh, – when you're just trotting. It's, it's all good. Uh, did you guys see the quotes from, the, uh, from Victor on the World Baseball Classic? I no. did, yes. It was it was really interesting. Um, Evan had the story in addition to a few other reporters, but Victor was talking about how the World Baseball Classic uh, is seen as like a growth tool for the game of baseball. Um, but the majority of the growth that can happen is actually going to need to come in America because essentially all the Latin countries are saturated and baseball doesn't really have any room to grow. It's so wildly popular. And that puts so much pressure on the Latin players during the tournament that um, the hmm. American players just don't have because – Essentially, we don't really care. Whereas down there, they take it so much serious, uh, so much more seriously. Um, there, there's no way that a player could be ready for such. I mean, it's essentially like the World Cup happening in July before any of the 
the season happened. You know, this is, right. is so big to all the all these fans. Um, do you think the World Baseball Classic, as it's as it stands, is maybe a little bit on the um, moral, not moral? Um, uh, is is it unhealthy as it stands? I guess. I would say I'm just not a fan of where they're playing it as far as in the, the time span of the season getting ready to start pulling. I mean, I talked to Omar Vizcal, um during the winter caravan, and he said he found it kind of humorous because we're talking about spring training and what they're going to prepare for. And he said, I think it's funny because Brad Osmus is going to have half of his coaching staff gone. Half of his players are going to be gone. And I don't know how he's going to do it all by himself. And, if, you know, we laughed it off. But it's it's a very odd placement for a tournament that they put that much hype behind. And I don't see... I don't see it as personally making sense to have it where they have it. I could see maybe later on in the year, but it's it's a very odd promotional system to me. I guess it doesn't really make sense to move it anywhere else, though. I mean, you wouldn't have it after the year. That would just be a massive bloodbath. And I guess you could do it like kind of, well, I mean, it's it's a long, convoluted thing, though. It's not like you could have it over All-Star Weekend or something. I agree. It's not a brief event. It's a very stretched out, because I want to say it goes... I think it goes until March 22nd. It goes from like the 6th to the 22nd or something like that. So it's not this weekend event. It's a very drawn out thing. So it is complicated to know where to put it. They say democracy is the worst form of government except for all the other ones. And the World Baseball Classic is in the worst spot except for all the other spots. Like it's the only place you can put it. Yeah, maybe, maybe, I mean, I, I like the idea. I like the, you know, playing for your nation and stuff. It just maybe, maybe baseball doesn't lend itself towards a big world competition like that. All right, let's move on to one of, if not my favorite uh, topic slash players, Drew Verhagen going back into the rotation. Um, the report was that it was to help him stay um, a little bit more controlled while re- rehabbing his injury. Um, probably wasn't going to make it out of camp as a relievers, uh, as a reliever. More options when you stay stretched out. Um, I wanted Verhagen, the big time reliever, to be a thing so bad. Looks like I'll have to wait a little bit longer to see that happen. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> strong, Good job, Jordan. Strong feelings on Drew. Okay. Um, You've done it exactly right. <laughs> I, I love you, Drew. He actually tweeted me this this winter. I, I asked him, oh, how's it going, Drew? Moment. It was. It was. So I'm not saying that we're best buds, but we're not not best buds. Uh, he, the thing I love about – I will chime in on, on for Mr. Verhagen here. He, he has very much that Don Kelly personality where he is so – optimistic no matter the situation and i know eric and i got to talk to him with that the winter before last um at the winter caravan and i've I've spoken to him on and off over the last couple months and just in regards to his rehab and having that whole procedure and everything incredibly optimistic he's still very much i'm going to go out there i'm going to do do what i do and work hard and i think he's the kind of guy that could i think because he's He's not overpowering, but he's consistent, and I think that consistency brings some stability to the rotation where I could see how he could possibly be a good piece for that and maybe 
move back to the relief rotation later on? I don't know, but I think he's someone that not only helps on the field, but he's just got an all-around great personality that helps out a lot. Yeah, and I think no matter how you shake it, we're going to need probably eight, nine, ten starters over the course of the year, and he has to be in the top ten as far as in line to get a crack at that. So I agree. I'd I'd like to see him get get another shake. He was he was one of those guys where the numbers didn't quite reflect how good he was uh, out of the bullpen to start the year last year before the injury. Then obviously he tailed off as the injury was becoming more and more um, severe. Uh, but I, there's there's something to like in that arm, and I and I'm I'm a big fan, and I know Eric, you are too. I am. Do you ha- do you have any kind of specifics about what the, about the nature of the, this injury or what it was or? I, I'm I'm unfamiliar with his particular ailment. I want to say, if I remember correctly, and Jordan, quote me if I'm wrong on this, but isn't it similar to what Kevin Zomek had done as well? It's a thoracic. Think- it's a thoracic something. I have no idea what that means. Oh, thoracic I, outlet maybe, syndrome. Is that yes. what Bonderman had? That's, yes, I think that's go. what Bonderman had. And that's also, I believe, and people are absolutely welcome to correct me if I'm wrong, going off the, off the cuff. I want to say that's the exact same procedure that Kevin Zomek had that pretty much put him out of commission. So it's not something that is, oh, hey, I had surgery and I'm going to bounce back a week later. It's a pretty deep procedure. But I think if he's under the right rehabilitation schedule that he could come back. I know a lot of pitchers have come back from it. Not cool for him. I mean, you know what I mean. Thank you is what I'm meaning. I'll shut up now. All right. Let's move to um, before we record again, there will be actual live baseball being played. So before that happens, let's take a quick look at the roster as it stands right now. Um, The infield, the DH, the corner outfield spots are pretty well set. Um, You all know who those are. We're not going to get into it too much. Anthony Fennec tweeted, I think it was last night, something effective that he's on the Castellanos 30 home run bandwagon and maybe we all should be too. Um, are you guys right there with him? I am. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I am, especially after seeing how he did last year, because one of the problems he faced that I got a little bit of inside information on is that he got a bit overcoached two years ago. And that was part of the reason why he went into the slump that he went into. And he basically took an approach to, you know, I love you guys, but screw it. I'm going back to why you signed me in the beginning which is raw talent, raw power. He's just He's got an incredible head on his shoulders to know how to deal at the plate. And so I think he absolutely could continue what he did last year. Last year he exploded, and I would definitely agree with Fennec on that. How many extra homers per year are the tattoos worth? Did he get tatted up? A little bit, yeah. Are Do those you know? new? I, I don't know. I, they're, I think so. I could be mistaken. Do they say Tyler and Chase? <laughs> like like Ginges, or did he pick his own no, names? No, I think it's I think it's like a kind of a mock sleeve. I bet eventually he'll get there. Is it like a skull with worms crawling out of the eye sockets or something? Is that something tough? I mean, I didn't because you know, that that affects my home run prediction if it's something tough or not. Well, I, if I remember correctly, I think it's just like the swirls and the the you know the artsy you know, tribal. Yeah, tribal. Like, thank you. Like Moana, like the guy from Moana. Oh, basically. okay. I have okay. kids. It's topical. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, I think he's going to hit for a lot of power. I mean, this isn't the pod Romine. No, this is the podcast Yanos. We want power, raw power. We're bringing the heat. Yes. Over 30 home runs. All right. Speaking of 30 home runs, um, they talked that Victor is over the hernia that made it tough for him to get out of bed. Do you see him getting back closer to 30, maybe being a little more hernia free? Boy, I, you know, I was trying to figure out what the, the hernia business is all about. Like, you're supposed to get surgery on it, but then he didn't want to. Like, okay. Now, are, are, are either of you doctors? Like, No. No. Okay. But from what I understand, hernia is like a part of your body, like popping out of your own flesh. Is that right? Like it's got a weak spot and then like your guts are just like popping out of you. Are you familiar with hernias at all? Like what's going on? That sounds awful. I know. That very well may be. I I have no idea. My buddy had a hernia and he was trying to explain it to me, but I guess it's just like a weak spot. Yeah. Come on, Brian. Where are you when I need you? Hernia Castellanos. Um, yeah. So I, they seem – I've heard that they're really painful. Um, and that would make a big difference if you're chronically in pain. Especially – I mean yeah? that's, that's a key part of your swing and your power. I would have to imagine that that really sapped him. And he just wasn't willing to, to admit it, which kudos, tip of the cap. Good, good, well, good and if you too. if you watched his at bats last year, and I mean even points with Miguel during the season too, you could see in their face even if they weren't admitting what the problem was, they were in pain. You could tell a lot by the way that Victor was running, by the way he was when he would swing the bat. You could tell something was off. But I think this year, going back to what I was saying before, if these guys can stay healthy, health killed them last year. They can stay healthy. The power is there. The talent is there. They could do big stuff. I know this has been the mantra of the last seven seasons. They could do big stuff. This could be a good year for them, but they have to keep themselves healthy. Um, Let's move on to catcher. We obviously have McCann coming back and Avila in a more real sense coming back. Um, What do you think that the at-bat split is going to look like? Because I I would hope that it's not going to be a straight platoon. That would not be be good for us, I don't think. Uh, uh, Two-thirds, one-third, 60-40, something like that, leaning towards McCann. Okay, That would be my thought as well. Somewhere in that range. That would be good. I feel like that's, I mean, Avila can be very serviceable. You just don't want him to be overexposed. Let's move on to center field. Um, As of right now, it looks like it's going to be a whole lot of Tyler Collins and Mikey Matuk um, with maybe Jacoby Jones figuring in at some point. Um, Do you think that those two can do a serviceable uh, maybe slash replacement level job in center field? I've never been one who hasn't believed in Tyler Collins. I think he's scrappy enough. I think he's got a decent appearance at the plate when he needs to, but um, they need another option in there. Um, I think that between the two of them, they could do a decent job, but with the way that they've talked about Jacoby Jones, it pretty much sounds like they have placed him already in AAA um, just because of his up and down kind of seesaw debut that he had started off strong and then the bottom kind of fell out which he's got the ability there and you can see what he is going to become but he just needs some more time to work on the plate discipline and i think he would make a really good third option 
am I missing something with Mikey Matuk? Like we got the guy for cash or some player to be named later, I think. Um, his stats have not been exceptional. We think he can go catch the ball, mm-hmm. but there are a lot of people just like penciling him into the starting lineup or getting most of the playing time and think he's like a what am I just missing something with this guy? Like, is there more to it? Like he's on the verge of becoming good. I, I have some stats for you, Eric. This is the, the yes. one, the one bit of stats that I have. Um, oh, get your paper. Okay. So let's, let's get ready for some extremely small sample sizes. But in 2016, in 66 at-bats against left-handed pitching, he hit 258. Now, that is decidedly not terrible. That's that's replacement level for a center fielder. In 2015 against left-handed hitter, Mm -hmm. in 68 at-bats, he hit 294. And get this, 10 extra base hits in 68 at-bats. That's a pretty solid rate. Now, you combine that with Collins's, Collins's production against right-handed pitching and he's in the 266 264 career average against right-handers all of a sudden you have combined one player that's not terrible small samples small oh ex- extremely small sample sizes yeah. but i mean you're not going to find somebody that's going to cost absolutely dirt nothing like matuk and collins do um if the right. sample sizes are halfway decent and not you right know, super right. super small and I mean, a, a couple wins under replacement value, like less than replacement value, would be a win, right? I mean, yeah, I didn't. Yeah, I, didn't... I think between the two of them, they're definitely a combination of enough consistency that would give Brad Osmus a little peace of mind, at least for the time being. And you got to assume that when Matuk's Ma- in the lineup, he's probably going to hit either eight or eighth or ninth, and Collins is going to be somewhere around there too. So it's not like yep. they're being asked to do much of the heavy lifting offensively. And, you know, Collins, he's not a burner, but he's, Osmus even said this, he's kind of one of those sneaky, athletic, like, quick, fast guys where he can kind of more like a, more like a running back kind of go get it. You know what I mean? Right. And if, if Matuk can play a really excellent defense in Comerica Park, he can he can add those wins on the defensive side really fast at Comerica. It's a big deal. Um, it, it came up again the other day. It, I think it's you can't almost overstate the fact how important it is to have good center field defense at Comerica. Yeah. And from what I understand, Matuk was dealing with a lot of injuries last year. And if you really look closely at a very small sample size in 2015, the numbers actually make you think, hmm. Maybe he was you know, right. a former first round player. They're not, they're not anything that make you think, oh man, we got to steal. Like they're, they're not that. Right. Right. But they're, they're thinking that they're making you think that there could be upside specifically against left-handed pitching. All right, let's move on to the rotation. Um, probably decently set one through four with Verlander, Zimmerman, Fulmer and Norris. Are you guys willing to throw Norris into that set one through four group? Yes, I I would for sure. I think that he worked through fingers crossed, hopefully most of what he was dealing with last year. And he showed he can handle being at that level. He showed that he can handle being in the rotation. His beard is growing back, which is a good sign. You know, that's obviously a key to his success. 
I mean, his hair is out of control. Um, but no, he's the kind of person that I think is very, very useful. He's extremely competitive. He knows what's expected. And I think going back again, as long as he's healthy, he's going to do some good stuff for him. Yeah, I, I'm I'm completely in on, on Norris also. Down the stretch, he was so good. And it's not just that the results were great, but the stuff was absolutely electric. That. I mean, he was so good, and he seems like such a, a grounded, firm guy that you really think that he um, that there's roots dug now and that, that he's ready to kind of push on. Though I, I do love him. He's one of my favorite players, so maybe I'm a little little biased in this department. Frankly, well, I heard need a, him. Yes, absolutely. We, we absolutely do, and I was going to say, too, I heard a stat, I think, on his fastball, and I don't remember it all off the top of my head, but the spin rate on his fastball is some ungodly number that shouldn't have half the movement that it has. But he's one of those guys. He's so sneaky. He comes across as this free-spirited <laughs> van-driving surfer guy who shaves with an axe, you know. But it's it's something that he has just a natural talent, and I think he's a huge asset to the team. I think he could be a, a real, genuine, like, Detroit sports star by the end of the season and it would be so massive if he were because he ha he just has that that gravitas to him that um some of the other more low-key guys just just don't have you know what i mean definitely yes. okay um so three-way battle for number five you got annie ball the pelf train and matt boyd um do you see any other people in play than just those three no it's got to be one of those three i would think and you yeah. have to good and i would and frankly to start the season i think it's either going to be sanchez or pelf i think it has to be because in boyd has to do something incredible this this spring which you know maybe he will but to make them make a make a move, a move on one of those two guys which is what it would take um you know it, it's just easier to put boyd down there and see how things go and you know eventually he's going to be up he's probably the fifth best starter, but I think if Annabal even shows half, uh, you know, half a sign of life, it's going to be him. And unfortunately, I do think my boys, he's either going to be in the in the rotate or in the pen or out on the street. And somebody's going to pick up Pelf, and he's going to win fifteen games. So that's probably how it'll go. I would say so. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, Eric. Anything else to add on the rotation? Are you ready to move to the pen? I'm ready to move on. Okay. Um, so there are seven bullpen spots, or there were um, on Osmus's opening day roster last year. Who among these guys at this moment would you guys have as locks? K-Rod? Yes. The Wilson yes. boys? Yep. Yes. Rondone? Yes. Yeah. Shane Green? Yes. yes. So right there, there is five. There's only, there's two two spots left out of Kyle Ryan, Lowe, the rotation loser, uh, Buck Farmer, my boy Blaine, uh, Stump, and, and AJ Actor. Um, oh, what to do? <laughs> the troubles. Uh, the troubles. <laughs> I see a lot of people penciling Kyle Ryan in there as kind of a fixture. He was. Really, I think you'd really, be eager to do that. Oh, all, absolutely. He you? was really good down the stretch. I was. I was yeah. never a Kyle Ryan guy until. Kyle Ryan came up and did really good things for us last year. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, so that leaves one spot for Mark Lowe or the Sanchez Pelf loser. Right. Yep. And all the other so, kind of 
have been around guys. Yeah, I there there's going to need to be a decision there. I mean, is there any news out of Lakeland or about Mark Lowe? I mean, is he's making some bigger biggish money yet? Uh, but he was not good. All of the noise has been best shape of, well, not, not best shape of his life, but he's coming in with, with a new outlook. His fastball is an uptick yeah. and, you know, all the rosy stuff that, you know, comeback guys will have written about them. Well, I, that remains to be seen. I think he gets a solid chance. I think he really gets a, 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 a long look, so to speak. Um, but you got to do something with the Sanchez Pelf loser. And at the beginning of the year, it's not going to be cut time. Mm. No, I think so. I don't I think low is probably your your if somebody if somebody hits the bricks before the end of camp, it's probably going to be low. Um, but you essentially could see yeah. low versus Pelf for that last roster spots, which is kind of an odd comparison. But does Kyle Ryan have options? That, He's young enough yet. I would assume so. That could be. I believe so, he has options left. I'm okay. pretty sure he does. And I found it interesting. I don't know if I talked to you guys about this, but Kyle Ryan got a lot of one-on-one attention during the winter caravan. And that kind of struck me as interesting. Like maybe there was some chatter going on behind the scenes that they had a plan for him of some kind. And like what you guys were saying too, he did some decent stuff last year. So honestly, I don't know why they wouldn't look at him as a serious consideration. He's the he's he's better. He inspires more confidence Absolutely. than the names of Low Sanchez or Pelfrey. It's just roster manipulation. You know what? How do you how do you make it work? And at some point, there's going to be a time where the Tigers have to cut bait with Sanchez or Pelfrey or Low. They they can't all stay, right? I, I certainly wouldn't think so. And if they do stay, you're probably not putting your 20, your best 25 man roster out there. And I think that's kind of, you know, maybe depends on how the season's going. If it goes right down the poop shoot early, maybe, you know, they just save the money. I, I don't know. Um, Could you just say poop shoot again? <laughs> poop shoot. Poop shoot. Um, Thank you. <laughs> The, the rumblings from Lakeland have been that uh, Jimenez has been looking fire emoji. There's no chance that he can do anything to break camp with the club. Would you, would you think? I no. do not see him starting out with the club. They've made it very, very abundantly clear that they have no plans to rush him. Um, he is improving. He's making really big strides. And obviously he's already got so much going for him that I think from the Tigers' coaching perspective, it's just making sure he's where they want him to be. He will go up. He will go up probably sooner rather than later, but I think that they realize what they have on their hands and they don't want to mess it up, and so they're really taking their time with him. Which is which is good. That's that's the safe, um, you know, obviously we're not hurting for options, maybe hurting for good options, but we're not hurting for options at the moment. Um, anything else in the bullpen, Eric? No, I mean, just a word of caution. Whoever breaks camp with the Tigers, it doesn't really matter because there's going to be 4,000 permutations of what our bullpen looks like through the year. What you really need is two or three or four guys to be exceptional, to be standouts. You don't need the last guy in your bullpen 
to be awesome all year. You need a few guys to go above and beyond to make a bullpen decent. Yeah, Logan and Kenzie so, broke camp with the club last year. Exactly, exactly. And uh, what was it, a year before that or two years? It wasn't Angel Nesbitt or something. It was, there was some goofy... Yep. Yeah. Was it? Did I have yeah. that right? Mm-hmm. You did. Good job. <laughs> put some. Put a plus one by my name. I got um, you. Writing it thank down. you. Thank you. But nobody cares. You know who breaks club? Who breaks camp of the club? Um, let's move on to the bench. Now, this is actually where thing. Where, in my opinion, things get really interesting. Um, Avila, the Matuk, Collins, whoever's not playing that night, and Romine seem to be penciled in. There's one more spot. Uh, Steven Moya and Dixon Machado are both there. You have to keep, you know, if neither of them have options left, if if we're if they're not making the camp, uh, not making camp, not making club the club out of camp, they're gonna have to go. Um, who who would you prefer to see uh, be the one that sticks around? For me, it would definitely be Dixon. Um, I think the only issue with that is as long as Iglesias has breath in his lungs, um, Machado is unfortunately in his shadow um, just because of the fact that I don't know if he'll ever have the ability to hit the way Iglesias hits, and I think that that might work against him because personally, defensively, I think they are basically at the same level. I have seen Dixon do identical plays to Iglesias at the level that they play at. And I think it would be very unfortunate if the team loses him. But at the same time, you look at Moya and they cannot seem to look away from his bat. They absolutely love his bat. And so it's it's going to be very interesting to see what direction they choose to go. I think Machado is much more versatile of a player, but I guess we'll have to wait and see what happens. I think Dixon is the guy who stays. They're going to have to figure out something with Moya. Um, so I'm going to need help with names. We've, we've, we've done this twice now where we lost the guy who went to Cincinnati. Um, Oh, I can't think of his name. No, not Suarez. Eugenio Suarez. Yes. Suarez. Eugenio Suarez. We we traded him. He was in the, uh, didn't we trade him for Simone? Right. But a a good, young, promising middle infielder with skills. Hernandez. I think, I think Hernandez who you're thinking of. And, well, I'm thinking of both of them. Oh. There's Suarez went to Cincinnati and Hernan Perez went to um, Milwaukee, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so we've been down this path twice, and we've those guys the, both have been really good. So now here we are again. And Dixon Machado has finally matured. He's come of age. He can play a heck of a defense. And there's so – okay – there's such a big upside with Moya, but there's so many question marks too. I mean, um, you know, does he, he's, he's, he's the Latino Jack Custs. You hope maybe. Yeah. I mean, he just, he's got such strong raw power, but I don't know if he takes enough walks because he doesn't make a ton of contact. Um, you need the walks to have that kind of three, three true outcome player right i mean uh, i i just think the um if you were if you were a gambling person moya um is the long shot the big win but dixon is the safer uh bet that's gonna 
probably have a, a better chance of panning out for you. Do you think there's I, – I love Romine, but do you see any chance that Dixon and Moya both usurp him for the last two spots and Romine hits the bricks? I, I don't think so. Yeah. Do you, Emily? I, don't, I mean, No, I really don't think so because um, not only does Romine now have – the most impressive collection of gloves known to man. I think he's up to like 11 gloves. Um, he, I mean, you guys saw it last year. The ways that he came through had multiple clutch plays for the team. He's so versatile. He's basically Don Kelly. Um, you put him anywhere and he does what the team needs him to do. And I think, I, I don't see them parting ways with Romine. I think it's going to be either Machado or Moya. I'm hoping for Machado to stick around, and I think they keep Romine. And I'm trying to look up Romine's numbers quick, but his numbers weren't obnoxious. No, no like, they weren't. No, he's just they were much, very serviceable. much older than than Dixon. I mean, that's kind of your only upside to or to. Yeah. I think it'll be interesting okay. to see what either of them could fetch uh, on the market. You'd have to assume that Moya maybe would have a little bit more trade value just because power's at such a premium these days. Um, but yeah, I, I'm with you guys. I would rather see them keep Machado. Although, did you look at the contract that Chris Carter got with uh, the Yankees? Now he's older, but I mean, Chris Carter is what you hope to get from from Moya, right? Yeah, I think I think Chris Carter's optimistic from from what we've seen from Moya. Right, and Chris Carter got like a two million dollar deal or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it was not a huge deal. I just. Uh, and Moya's defense, I think he got the yips a little bit when he had some major league playing time. Like he just had nerves or just some issues out there. Hopefully. But it did get exposed that he can't play much defense. So Moya is just, he's got too many holes in his game. And I want to cheer for him. I've been watching him ever since he, you know, he was with the Whitecaps. He's been playing for the Tigers ever since he was 16 years old. And now, I know there's another 16-year-old that Emily wants to talk about at any moment. But <laughs> Moya has been playing for the Tigers since he was 16, which is crazy. Um, so, I don't know. Well, and honestly, so it's impossible to cheer against Moya. He is one of the most humble, well-spoken, well-mannered guys who just completely genuine. He just became a dad, too, which is really, really great. Just had his first kid. Um, and like Eric was saying, too, he he showed some very unfortunate flaws when he did go up with the big club this last season in his defense. And I mean, everybody knew that he wasn't drafted because of his defense. He was drafted because of his ability to hit and he hits the cover off the ball when he's able to. But unfortunately a team needs to see the consistency of the reason why he was signed. Otherwise you really don't have a case to keep him around. And it's, it's been a long journey. I've seen him, multiple times for years now again like eric was saying and um he's somebody you want to see succeed but at the same time he's had time and unfortunately it's still proven to be very inconsistent and i think the tigers are going to have to make a move now i didn't know that he had a baby um obviously having a baby before last year proved a major um perspective changer for castellanos and led to his breakout do you think we could see a repeat of that well, you know, it's an interesting perspective. I know that he, 
he was very disappointed that he couldn't play ball this winter. Um, I talked to a couple of my contacts in the Dominican, and they said he was trying very hard to find a way to play winter ball because that's kind of what it's his routine. He goes back to his hometown. He appears with the team, gets some playing time in. It's this long, long, long tradition, but it, you know, it's very hard to say. Sometimes it does shift someone. Anthony Ghost had his first kid in the off season. It was kind of this wave of tiger babies that happened. I'm just going to leave that topic alone, but um, it, you know, who knows? It could shift some perspective for some of these guys, but I do agree. Nick definitely settled in last year and that could, could have been the thing to kind of pull his head out of the clouds a little bit and help him focus better, but we'll see. Okay. Um, let's move on to the prospect talk as I have it labeled in my notes. Um, Christian Stewart, where do you expect him to play this year and how high can he rise? I am going to, someone asked me this today. I think he gets another shot out of the gate at double a, um, it took him a little bit of time to find his footing when he got promoted late last year. He did start to show some adaptation, um, as time went on, there are still some holes that I see in his play. Um, he's somebody too. He's got a Stephen Moya bat, but his defense is very, very subpar. Um, and it's something that I think he's really going to have to sell himself at the plate if he hopes to to move up. Um, and at this point, until I see some improvement, I will have a very hard time seeing him at the AAA level. But that's just something where I just need to see a bit more production from him. Can you give us a quick rundown on why we should be more excited about him than Stephen Moya? You know, should I should you be? Yeah, yeah, should we? Yeah, good good question. <laughs> At this point I would say yes, just because I think Stewart has more time to work with. I think Moya has had a stretch of time where he had the chance to show that he could bring more consistency to his play. And I think Stewart is still young enough and has more projection overall than Moya does, and so I would say that the odds are uh, more in his favor. Okay. Um, that's good. That's good. Uh, let's do some young arm word association. Maybe a word or two that sums up how you feel about each of the following arms. I wrote down a few, Eric, and then you can jump on the end if you have all, if you have others. Uh, let's start with the big one, Matt Manning. I would say projection is probably the biggest one for him because the big uh, – the big piece to what I took away from when I saw him throw last summer is that multiple scouts that I spoke to said, and these are guys who saw Bo Burrows when Burrows came up into the Gulf Coast League, they said they see more in Manning than they saw in Burrows at that same point. So I think the fact that he is where he is, there's definitely a much greater sense of projection for what he could accomplish. Okay. Um, Tyler Alexander. Um, I would say deceptive. Oh. Um, he's, he's somebody who may not come across to be dominant as a pitcher, but I think he's got a lot of aces up his sleeve and that's really been the cause of a lot of his success. Z, is he more of a finesse guy, Greg Maddox, you know, on, on command and. I would say he's more finesse. Um, and to be completely honest, he is one that I've been limited to video. I haven't had the opportunity to see him in person because of 
him strategically being promoted at all the wrong times for me to catch him at a certain team. Now, is that personal? So, Does he take that into consideration? I, I missed what you said. I you said, kind of cut out there. Oh, I'm sorry. Is that personal? Did he did he ask for this? He's avoiding you. He's dodging you. <laughs> um, you know, I will have to talk with my sources and see if I can <laughs> confirm that information. <laughs> all right, let's go. Bo, Bo, Bo Burrows. Bo Burrows. Um, developing. I think he's he's finding his footing. Um, and Eric, I'm not sure if you had the opportunity to see him much last year, but I know I went out with uh, Hookslide, and we have gotten to see a few of his outings. And it was a little bit of a young stallion chomping at the bit where you could see mm. what he had yep. to work with, but it was a little bit trigger happy. Um, it was a little bit skittish. Um, but what you could see was his potential. And so I think if he's able to stay under the right coaching and under the right guidance, he could definitely develop into something extremely useful for the organization. If I ever get a pet groundhog, I'm naming him Bo Burrows. <laughs> I don't want to laugh at that joke, but it's <laughs> so good. Bo Burrows. Um, let's go, Kyle. Next question, <laughs> Kyle Funkhauser. I am extremely Sorry, go ahead. It's been a rough yeah. couple minutes. <laughs> I'm extremely intrigued by Kyle. Um, I was looking up some of his his information from back when he was in. Uh, in school at Louisville and he's somebody that I think the Tigers got for an absolute steal. Um, I think he should have gotten a lot higher um, in the draft and thankfully they were able to nab him when they did, but he's somebody who has a good combination of um, velocity and also a, a versatile arsenal too, if you will. So he's somebody I'm really excited to see. Okay. Last one. We want the funk. <laughs> Got to get that funk. Exactly. We want the cop funk. Thank you. Right. Continue. Don't uh, mind me. Last one, San Sandy Baez. Sandy Baez is absolutely dominant for for the main, I guess the main descriptive word. He has a really hard time with his control. Um, that's something that played into part of my surprise when I heard that they kept him safe um, because he does have a lot. He's got a lot to work with, but I didn't see the consistency in him to where I was confident that he could continue to become what they're looking for. But then again, he could come into himself this year. Um, he's one of the guys on the roster to hit a hundred miles an hour. So he's one of those, those flamethrowers that they've pulled up and I'm optimistic about him, but I personally have not seen enough of that from him yet to be really, really optimistic about the future. Gotcha. Um, let's move on to the Aussie connection the Tigers seem to have. I know you just talked with a couple of them. How did the how did that come about? Um, I know we have Warwick, but uh, Tigers in Australia doesn't feel like a natural fit. You know, it's it's kind of an untapped location um, based on what a lot of people have talked about. Um, the organization I know for a fact does the most work with them is the Twins. Um, the Twins have actually drafted a lot of guys from Australia. Um, just, I think, good good relationships with the groups down there. And they have a baseball academy that um, 
Ulrich Bojarski. Yes, that is his name. And uh, Jack O'Laughlin, the two that I spoke with the other night, they both were signed from the Baseball Academy by Kevin Hooker, who is an Australian scout for the Tigers. And so he had the opportunity to connect with both of them through the academy, liked what he saw, got both of them signed, and they are on their way. And Andrew Graham uh, is managing in the organization yet, right? I mean, is he at, what, double-A this year? No, he, he just got he promoted to Lakeland. He went to Lakeland. Oh, single. Yeah, okay, sorry. And then Mike Rabello, who yeah. coached short season Connecticut last year, is moving into Andrew Graham's spot. So they're kind of doing a little bit of a shuffle in that area. And then also Zach Shepard, who... Yeah, that's right. Zach is going to have to really come strong out of the gate because to put it bluntly he had a disastrous winter ball season um he actually didn't even play his full time down there because of the fact that he fell so flat um i tried to get some explanation from some of my contacts down there and they said he was swinging for the fences on every pitch and it led to Gosh, I think close to 30% strikeout rate while he was down there. Um, just really, really uncharacteristic of him. Um, he's got one of the prettiest swings I've ever seen. But unfortunately, when you don't have the plate discipline to match the swing, it's not really going to do you a lot of favors. So he's somebody that's really going to have to pick up a lot of steam based on how he went over the winter. Now, tell us more about um, the uh, jack-o'-lantern. Um, how old is he, and does he only play in in October? Uh, or Jacko? What is it, Jacko? The <laughs> it's Jacko Loft. Yeah, O'Loughlin. O'Loughlin. Oh, not Jacko Lantern. No, you were close though. That's a different player. Jacko something. That's the um, other. Guy. How old is he? Tell us how old he is. This is exciting. He is 16 years 16. old. Jerome Bettis is from Detroit, <laughs> and Jack Laughlin is 16. Now you know. When you were 16, was that the year the Hindenburg crashed? <laughs> oh, the huge manatee. Oh. Wrap it up. <laughs> Not that old. Although, you wouldn't know it by the popping of my joints when I get up off the floor. Ugh. So, yeah, tell us more about Jack. <laughs> um, yes, he he is 16. Um, he was born in 2000, which makes oh. me feel so old every time I talk to him. Um, but he it's it's an interesting fact that not a lot of people know. The Tigers actually signed Zach Shepard when he was 16. Okay. So it's the second 16-year-old signing that they've had over the last couple of years. But he will not actually come to the States to play officially until 2018. Um, he has school to finish. He actually just started his school year because he spent his summer holiday, quote-unquote, <laughs> um, playing in the Australian League. And he basically went on summer vacation and played against former professional baseball players. And now he's back in school um, and he's expected, though it hasn't been confirmed, he's hoping to visit Lakeland in April um, just to kind of do a tour of the uh, the spring training complex and meet some of the other people and see a little bit of the extended spring training. So he's still hoping to make that happen. Let's meet him down uh -huh. there. Yeah. Are all these guys from Western Australia? I see a lot of Perth. I mean, are the, all these guys like, is there a center there in Perth or something like that? 
Well, most of the major cities who have teams, that's kind of where you find the standouts because they have access to more of the facilities and more of the coaching. Um, Warwick is from Perth. Uh, Zach Shepard is from Sydney, which is one of the other main hubs. That's the other side. um, Ulrich is also from Perth. And then Jack is from Adelaide, which is another big baseball town, too. So those are kind of the main areas where, uh, where the guys have come out of. Neat. It'd be yeah, it'd be pretty sweet if we had kind of the the Aussie thing going. Um, okay, let's move on to some Twitter questions we have for you, Emily. Uh, Nick Batani asks, one guy who will start with Toledo but could en- end up contributing big for Tigers other than uh, Joe Jimenez. You know, I'm going to go out on a limb, and I may get disagreed with on this, but I'm going to say Michael Gerber. Oh, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna go Michael Gerber. He is somebody that I've always been a fan of his as far as his his ability to perform and to perform under pressure. I think he's going to come out of the gate a lot stronger than a lot of people would expect because he's one of those very stealthy, fly-off-the-radar, shows-no-emotion, but, you know, stops to smile for kiss the babies and all that good (laughs) stuff. Everybody loves him. He's one of those guys that's just extremely easy to 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 support and i'm i'm expecting him to come out strong and i think this is going to be a really big year for him um and the other one at tigers underscore opinions uh prospects that you're excited to see with the white caps hoping to check out my fair share of games this year um funkhauser for sure um i'm really hoping that he will land in west michigan i think age-wise i don't see them keeping him in short season if at all this year um, just because he is a bit more developed, he's a bit more, I think, maturity-wise, he's at a higher level than some of the other guys. Um, we could very well see Ryan Castellanos in West Michigan as well. He had one appearance last year and got a win and dominated. And, you know, who knows? Maybe he'll have some of that breakout power his brother carried and just gotta see have the same baby. success. <laughs> Um, he's he's definitely someone who I know works extremely hard, and um, so th- those are a couple guys for sure that I think have a good shot of landing in West Michigan. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Okay, Eric, are you ready to move on to the power rankings? I am. We're going to try to make some quick work of power rankings. since we're, That is a we're... good idea. <laughs> Thank you, Jordan. I thought it was too. <laughs> All right. Today for power rankings, I have for you Donald's. <laughs> Donald's. I like this. Okay. You ready? Yes. Starting at number seven is Don King. 
you know Don King, the boxing promoter. He basically reinvented the English language and uses words like they're not supposed to be. Um, he is quintessentially American, right? No other country could have a Don King. But he's kind of low on the list because he's probably evil. Like, he's not very a nice guy. He's got some bad stuff going on. So Don King, he's number seven. Okay. Um, number six is Don Ho. Are you familiar with Don Ho? No. He's a Hawaiian singer, and he wrote the song Tiny Bubbles, which is a great song. You know, Don Ho, you know, he probably plays the ukulele. He's an American treasure. I'm ashamed to say I have heard that song. I think my mom played it for me once. Yeah, it's great. Don Ho, he's number six. Um, number five is Don Glover, Donald Glover, oh, okay. a.k.a. Childish Gambino. <laughs> I I got to tell you, everything I know really about Don Glover, I, I know from listening to Terry Gross's NPR interview with him. So it tells you what kind of, you know, uh, culture I'm in. He had the show Atlanta. I really like Don Glover because if you move the G over into his first name, um, it's kind of funny. You know, because like they have Chris Pratt is like Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt. Get it? A crisp rat. Sure. And and you can do the same thing with with Don Glover. It's kind of funny. I'm easily entertained because I'm immature. <laughs> he was he's actually had a pretty nice career. He was in community, which is very, very funny. And he's actually a very good rapper. Like and he does comedy too. So he yeah, he does he's three, a triple threat. three whole things. Yeah, he's multi talented. He's the Jordan Hall of entertainment. I'll take it. I don't do everything. I don't know how, but I'll I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Don uh, number four is Don Cheadle. Don Cheadle. Ah. Yeah. So he's a, like an award-winning actor, right? He's really takes these powerful roles. But basically, I know him as the replacement black guy on the Iron Man sequels, and the guy with the bad British accent in Ocean's Eleven. That's I was going to say, isn't he the guy that blew up, like he was the kid who put explosives in the toilet and like blew it up and lost hearing in his ear in the Ocean's Eleven yeah. movies? Ocean's Eleven, yeah. Yeah, yeah he was the munitions the guy. guy, right? Yeah. That's the Don guy. Cheadle. All right. Number three is Don Quixote. <laughs> Don Quixote is the, uh, the hero from the novel, the ancient novel by Cervantes. When I was a kid, I thought his name, I thought the book was called Donkey Odie. I like, I thought it was a, the, there was a donkey and his name was Odie. So I was a little confused about what the novel was about. I thought it was like about a donkey, but it's no, it's about this guy who loses his mind and goes on insane adventures thinking he's like important and he tries to attack windmills and it's like a fancy Spanish novel, Donkey Odie. You familiar? Mm hmm yeah. I haven't, right, I haven't read it, but I'm aware that it exists. Oh, nobody reads it. You just read the Cliff's Note versions no, or whatever. Nobody can read. Yeah, it's in, it's in Spanish. It's like an old Spanish or whatever. Whatever. Okay. Number two is Donald Duck. Donald Duck. Donald Duck is a little hard to pin down because he's like got all these different kind of roles. But basically, he's known for slobbering his speech and being angry. Um, but he's pretty high on the list because he's he's relatively harmless, and it's it's funny to laugh at him being frustrated. 
That's why Donald Duck claim to fame is, right? Mm-hmm. The more the more insane Donald Duck gets, you're like, that guy's losing it. That's funny. <laughs> He's a beloved American character. Donald He's an Duck. icon. He is a bit of an icon. Absolutely. You know, Oregon. You know, he's got he's the Oregon mascot. That's good, I mm-hmm. guess. Why not? All right, number one. Any guesses? It, there, there's only one answer, so it better be the right one. Yeah, I mean, you really can't pick any other answers to this. Number one is Donald Kelly. Don Kelly. What can we say about Don Kelly that hasn't already been said by very pious people? I mean, Don is awesome. He's got manners. He's got versatility. He's got politeness he's got uh kindness Charisma. he's got the fruit of the spirit what he do you likes, ask he likes what gummy do bears doesn't he gummy bears they're great yeah <laughs> feels like he should yeah what do you lacks in power he makes up for in fruit of the spirit mm. i mean he's he's great Breast Don Kelly's right number one. yeah yeah yep. absolutely all right now to the bottom three number three from the worst is Don Imus. Remember this Joker? He's no. like the radio host in the Rutgers women's basketball team. Oh yes, he called them the nappy-headed hoes, and he got in big trouble for that. Shouldn't say. Think how like that. sane and benign that seems like in today's environment. Like nobody would care. Like oh yeah, yeah. People people say that all the time. Yeah, that's fine. No, but at the time, and he's kind. Of, it's pretty clear he's kind of a jerk. Right. Okay. Number two from the worst is Donald Sterling. Remember this guy, former mm-hmm. of the Clippers. Um, from pretty much what I can tell, he's just bad in many ways. He never took the Clippers seriously and was just really bad with them. And then he had this whole um, uh, racial renting thing. He was. He, everybody thought he was a jerk. Donald Sterling. Okay, number one for least good Donalds. <laughs> Who wants to do it? <laughs> I have I, I have my assumptions, but I'm not gonna wait. I'm not gonna wait wait in on this one. Who wants to guess? No, nope, not gonna happen. Um, number one, ungood Donald is. Number forty-five, Donald Trump. On his That's day. power rankings is the worst. That's power rankings. Hello, this is Eric's mom, and you're listening to the Podcastianos. Okay, do you want to hear what I saw on the side of the road while I was running? Of course. Um, What I saw on the side of the road this week while I was running was Michigan coming back to life, and it's beautiful. (laughs) Um, We finally got our melt up here in what my friends call Southern Canada. Um, And spring is finally in the air. Um, The funny thing is, is like, you get to see all the crap that was left out over the course of the winter um, when the snow melts. Like, we left out all of our Halloween pumpkins, our Jack O'Laughlin's, if you will. Um, <laughs> whoops. Uh, and in our driveway, I couldn't help but notice that there is a bunch of sets of dog duties that I'm quite sure come from mm. our neighbor's dog that they don't clean up after. Eric, have I told you about Brown Dog? I call it Brown Dog because it's brown. Um, but I, I hate brown dog they're constantly letting brown dog uh they're out with him but they leave they leave him off the leash and he poops in our yard and there's like meh whatever i think the neighbors hate us um but 
I think. <laughs> what? <laughs> but anyways, uh, running through the neighborhood this week, what I actually saw when I was running, I was struck by all the people that were like um, taking their snow shovels. Snow shovels, and they were like moving the snow around their driveway into the sun, so it would like it would like melt faster. It was supposed to be like fifty here. Well, I mean, still kind of in that that run of fifty degree days. Like, just be patient. The sun will do that work for you, unless you have like a three on three basketball tournament in your driveway lined up for the weekend. Just leave it. It'll be fine. I confess, sometimes at the end of my driveway with the plow hit, I'll, like, I'll scoop it and I'll like toss it back into the Well, that's, that's road. different. They were, they were up by the garage. Oh, okay. No. They suck then, yeah. The snow I don't think Michigan work. has patience. It's like, oh, the sun is shining. I'm going to quick yeah. take care of every single thing I possibly can today. <laughs> that's just kind of how we work. We have to work quick before the next two feet of snowfall. <laughs> true. That's very true. Um, if you want to get in touch with the show, you can at podcastianos.com. On the Twitter, I am at Jordan Hall 23 Eric is at Comeric Eric. And the show is at Podcastianos. And Emily is at Emily Walden 2080, correct? You got it, correct. Speaking of, before we move on, tell us um, briefly, we are well over an hour at this point, but tell us briefly <laughs> a little bit about your, your new gig. I feel like we'd be silly to, to let you out the door without hearing a little bit about it. Yes, I'm working um, with a group called 2080 Baseball that focuses primarily on player development. So minor league players, sometimes even down to the college level um, and just writing up evaluations. I focus more on player interviews and features as well as player evaluations. And then we do a lot of video, um, a lot of uh, projections, reports, all that good stuff. So giving people the word on who to watch coming down the road. Sweet. Yeah. Um, oh, <laughs> I wasn't sure if, if you had something to add, Eric. Um, anyway. Go. No, it's okay, Eric. I, I know that you support my, my dreams and my ventures, and it's all good. You're a shining star, Emily. You're doing great. I support Thanks. you. I Thanks, affirm you. Buddy. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash podcastianos. And once again, we'd love it if you would take the time to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or whatever platform you're using to listen to the show. Emily, thank you so much for coming on and spending the last hour and such with us. We really appreciate it. A lot of good info, specifically on our, on our Aussie buddies. Uh, we'll have to do it again at some point this season, well before uh, a year on <laughs> like this past time. Yes, I will be. I'm actually heading down to Florida on March 14th for some spring training updates. So I will try and keep you guys in the loop. Perfect. Eric, once again, thank you for joining me. It's been fun. Oh, it's a pleasure as always. <laughs> and with that being said, we will catch you guys <laughs> next week and eat them up, Tigers. Eat them up. Goodbye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. <laughs> 